Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's that refrain that we keep on hearing around this industry of content creation? It's that you can just go out and do it, right? You have a camera on your phone or your iPad or whatever. Go out, shoot something. It'll look pretty good. You can edit it. You can upload it. People can see it, right? We've all thought it. We've all heard it. It makes sense. It's very different than it was, say, 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. Well, today, my guest on the No Film School podcast is Jessica Nipperis, somebody who actually did that, not with her phone, with a pocket cinema camera, but the results she got were pretty darn amazing. I'm George Edelman, editor-in-chief at No Film School and host of this, the No Film School podcast on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts these days. And Jessica was 15 when she made this short, Devil Bean. But this short, Devil Bean, it got to Cannes. So Jessica went from just being a 15-year-old in a small town who was like, I think I want to make movies and made a lot of shorts to someone who applied for a grant and got some money to somebody who borrowed a camera and some tools and shot something and boom, she was a can. And now she's on this podcast. And all that is pretty crazy. So today we're talking to her about how she did it, how it's a horror movie, because hey, on top of everything else I've mentioned, it's horror week at no film school. So we're talking all about horror on all our platforms. Head over to nofilmschool.com to see more horror week coverage with Black Magic Design. But Specifically, today we're talking about how she put this movie together and how she's responded to the insane outcome that she certainly couldn't have predicted. So here we go. Jessica Nipris on No Film School Podcast, Devil Bead. So this is exciting. It's we're doing horror week with Black Magic, and really happy to have you here to talk about a lot of aspects of what you've done with your career mm-hmm. so far at your early age, but also the genre black magic, how black magic is involved here is actually really interesting. I kind mm-hmm. of just want to start with, you know, you, like a lot of people were like, I want to make a movie, right? I want to make a short. Where did you start when you had that instinct? Like, what's the first thing you did? Like, cause you made the dream come true and we'll talk about where it went from there. But like, what was just the first, like, kind of like, okay, I want to do this. The, the, how am I going to do it part? Yeah. Um, I think for me personally, it's like storytelling has always been something that I wanted to do. So when I was little, that was like doing little illustrations and I was like, I want to be a children book illustrator. And then I was like, I want to be an author. So it really grew naturally into film. And I think It's really cool for my generation that we have such easy access to technology. I started out using iMovie and the family iPad that we had and just running around with my friends in our backyard. But I think the first thing that really kicked it off for me was my mom found Trotfest Jr. 
And that was like, used to be the biggest film festival in Australia. And the junior section was like, it's, it's little sister sort of thing. Mm. And I was like, yes, I should make a film to edit that, to enter that film festival. So for me, it's always been about film festivals, just having a deadline that I could go. Yeah. That was the, so the inspiration was very much the, I'm going to do it for this event. It's going to give me the structure. Yeah, and possibly, hopefully, get some money in it. Like it was all my always my little uh, chance to get some pocket money, sort of scene. But for Devil from Bean, the movie itself, yeah. not to make it, like from actually the finished product, like to win yeah, the festival, get some money. Festivals. Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. So I always entered film festivals that had money until very recently, <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe I should actually like go for the more prestigious ones, which don't offer money. So. Yeah, that was yes. always that little so, secret okay. <laughs> So tell me about Devil Bean in particular. Was that one also motivated initially by a cash prize? <laughs> well, um, not quite, but it was motivated by the fact that I applied for a grant. It was the first grant that I've ever applied for. It was like an arts restart grant coming out of the COVID artist slump, you know, the government was trying to pump more money mm-hmm. back into the industry to stimulate it. So I applied for that grant. Oh, look, money is a part of the equation again. I hadn't even realized this till now. Sure. Um, anyway, <laughs> but <laughs> films have also always been for me like a chance to like learn more about filmmaking through the experience of learning it. So for Devil Bean in particular, yeah. I was trying to make a film that I didn't also write to see if there was a different process behind that. So the lead actor, Sam Payne, actually wrote that script. So it was also a chance for me to like develop my skills in that in that sense. How did you get connected with that? With Sam? Like how did you find him? How did you guys get together on that and like have that yeah. script and him be like, you're the, you can do it. Yes. <laughs> like how did you get, like tell me about the, the finding a good collaborator is such a big part of, of. Oh uh, yeah. And it's really, it's really hard. I mean, especially in Mudgee, which is a small town that I live in, we don't really have a film scene. So there's no one uh, really that I can reach out to except for like a few groups, you know, in the outskirts of our region. But with Sam, we were actually just family friends and I go to youth theatre and he ran youth theatre. So I don't know, we just sort of became became friends, I suppose. And my mum had this old coffee machine that she wanted to get rid of and she tried to sell it <laughs> on Bite Swap and sell and stuff and eventually she was like, oh, Jess, if you want to make a film with this, like you can smash it, I won't mind. So Sam, who's actually a coffee addict, was like, oh, I've got this great idea for a short film, you know, we can make this a thing. So yeah, it it was sort of born from that desire to smash a coffee machine and just him being in the right place at the right time and, you know, offering help. Yeah. Yes. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, 
That's great. So you have, you know, you're even in, in the small community you're in, there are other people who are interested in doing this. You get together yeah. on an idea, you know, and then black magic. Tell me about, so tell me about applying for the grant and tell me about the pocket and how, like how, how that kind of like the tech available, because like you mentioned your generation, iPads, iMovie, there's a lot mm-hmm. of ways, there's a lot of ways to shoot something. You could go shoot right now on an iPhone or yeah. whatever, but you know, using the pocket, getting the grant. Tell me about those those pieces of the puzzle. Yeah, that's right. It's the Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Cameras. I think it's just so cool that they make that cinema, like a cinema camera accessible to people like myself who, you know, just got a little grant from the government. I actually, yeah, I didn't spend the grant on buying a cinema camera. I bought one afterwards, but I borrowed it from my mentor, Cadence Bell. She was she was really generous and she lent me a whole bunch of tech that I could use, which was a game changer for me. But yeah, just like laying my hands on a cinema camera and like having that opportunity to actually translate my vision into reality. Like I feel like there's always a disconnect when you're using like an iPhone or just a DSLR, there's always a sense of like, it won't be quite what I want it to look like, but I can Mm. work around that. But the black magic actually allowed me to achieve what I wanted to achieve for like the first time in forever. So it was a bit of a revelation for me. I'll be honest. Awesome. Yeah. That must've been. So tell me about the mentor a little bit. Like, tell me about that relation, like getting that relationship and then, and the other tech you got to use and, and you shot it. So tell me about like, you know, how you lit everything. It's, it's very well done. You know, like no one would know you did it all yourself and you were 15 when you did it. You know, Like it's kind of crazy. So tell me, tell me about the mentor and the tech. Yeah, a little bit. So I met Katie like a few years ago. It was sort of after I made after I made my first film that got into Tropfest. Uh, I was like, mm, maybe I should uh, get some help on this, a little bit of education, you know. So yeah. it was my mom. I was probably like ten or eleven at the time. So it was my mom who reached out and was like, "Does anybody know anyone in the film industry?" And Katie, <laughs> yeah, it was really serendipitous sort of meeting and she was the one who basically taught me everything I know about film. She explained to me what ISO was and I was like, oh man, you can't just like click on the camera and it auto focuses or whatever. And well, you yeah. can sometimes, but yeah. Well, <laughs> In some can't. cameras, but yes, you're right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. So, and then when it came to Devil Bean, she's always just been a, like a massive help with every film that I've done with like giving me a little bit of guidance and stuff. But ultimately it is just me on the set, you know, trying to remember what she said like a couple sure. of weeks back. And she was like, oh, Jess, you could just use my tech. Like I wouldn't mind. She's a bit of a tech hoarder. So I borrowed apparently like mm. 25% of what she owns. And I thought that was a lot. So, yeah, she lent me lights and rigs and dollies and a focus puller, which I had no idea what wow. to do with, so I didn't use. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then when it came to actually making the film, you know, it was it was a bit difficult because this film was a step up in so many senses. It was the first time working with a budget. It was the first time, right, doing someone else's script and the first time using a black magic camera and having access to all of this equipment was also a bit of like, Oh my God, you know, bit of a wake up call. 
Sorry. It it's was a really- lot to take in and deal with, like not having like to step right into it. Yeah. Did you have much of a crew? Like, did you, did you, how many people did you have working with you as a crew? Uh, as a crew, it's, it's my dad, my mom, and uh, occasionally like the odd person that we can drag in to help. But, you know, I'm the one who has to understand how the tech works. And for the most part, I don't. So that's always a little <laughs> bit difficult. But yeah, it's really amazing to have such a community of like people who really just want to help out working on a film set. You know, even if no one's actually qualified or really knows anything, it's that really nice community aspect. Yeah. You created something that looks like everybody involved knew what they were doing. So, <laughs> so it definitely came, it it, you're, you're selling yourself short. There's, <laughs> yeah. Well, one of the things that I found really useful about Black Magic was sheeting on B roll because that meant that, you know, I could go into post production and be like, oh, damn it, I did not set the ISO right for this at all, or I need to completely change the white balance and have that flexibility to shift that around in post-production. And also, like, if it's just on a set and we're pushed for time and I don't exactly have the brain space to make the creative decisions that I need to in the moment, I can make that later in post-production. I'm a big preparer as well. Like, I do like to storyboard everything out to the T, And even if that is just a guide, which allows for a lot more spontaneity when we're actually filming, like to be able to visualize the films at all points of production is really important for me as well. So did you break down the script into storyboards right off the bat, kind of go through some kind of rehearsal process and like all the sort of prep you would do normally? Yeah. So I... I found it really difficult initially to get an emotional connection to the film because writing a film yourself, you know, you're already sort of inside the film, like you're a part of it. But taking someone else's script was like getting the top layer of dialogue from a film and the actions and not really understanding the machinations behind, like what motivates the characters and that. So I had to spend a lot of time just, I don't know, walking around doing brainstorming sessions, whatever, just to get my head into the film. But from that point, it becomes really instinctual for me. So I can just like, yeah, like close your eyes and imagine the film and watch it play out and transcribe that in a storyboard. I also really love like colour theory and camera movements and all of those aspects of cinematography and planning out the music and stuff because it's just like, I don't know, like it just allows you to really take control and to think about how you're going to get the audience to respond in the moment. So I really enjoy that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So you planned out, you mentioned stuff like color theory, and you also mentioned flexibility in post-production. So did you have some ideas 
about how you might finish it, like what you might do in post later for colors and you couldn't quite get exactly what you were trying to do. Like, can you tell me about some of that? Like, you know, did you have a change of heart that was like, I thought it would be like this. And now that I'm in post, I'm changing it because you you, you did it all. Yeah. Well, that's a hundred percent right. Is that like, I can't remember who said it, but it's a quote where you make a different film at each stage of production. So at the start, mm. in pre-production, I'm like, this is how the film's going to look. I know exactly what's going on. And then production is the really great opportunity to have that shift and adapt to the way that the actors are responding to it or, you know, literally logistical concerns like, oh, actually, the light is not coming from that direction or the geog- the geography of the, the uh of the location isn't like what I imagined. And then when you get into post-production, which is one of my, also my favorite parts of production. I can't say that every part of production is my favorite, but anyway, (laughs) Um, it's just like the really cool opportunity where you get to completely shift what the film could mean. Like I've, I've made films where you can, you know, you like you edit it one way and then if that's not working, you can completely change the story just using the same footage and stuff. So I did change Devil Bean quite a bit. It was really difficult mm. to find the tone for the film because, you know, it's a horror and it's a comedy and it's also got drama and you have to find the weird intersection between those points to get it to play right for an audience. What I did spend the grant on majority was like using a composer for the film. So, yeah, we paid someone to create original music for the script, for the film, and that was just a really incredible opportunity to understand the role that music has to play. And she really helped me figure out the tone and how to shift from the initial like happy family scenes into full-blown horror. So, yeah, that was really cool. I just think that's such a great way to spend the money and probably one that a lot of people wouldn't consider but that the way music helps tell the story emotionally. It's like you said, the different film is told at each stage, but I feel like a score is kind of like yet another way the story is told. So one thing I'm really curious about, you see, I'm impressed and amazed. Like you seem to be both flexible at each stage to kind of discovering what's what you need to change, but also confident that that whatever your instincts are, you should follow through on. How did you communicate with the composer about what you want music to do? Because a lot of people struggle with that. It's sort of like they don't maybe they don't know music that well or like how did you collaborate with like the that stuff? Like you did you talk about specific instrumentation or like sounds or like emotions, you know? Yeah, it was really difficult. And that's a good question because it was something that I hadn't considered when starting the film. I was like, it's going to be easy. Just like every other film I've made, I'll just have someone else to do the music because I usually just like take royalty free tracks from YouTube or whatever. It's very different to that. And yeah, like I went into it not knowing at all what would be expected of me as a director. And I was really fortunate that Kyles, who was the composer, was willing to help me with that. Like she was willing to guide me a little bit through it. I would really, we'd really just have long talks together or emails where I would tell her what I wanted the scene to feel or what specific parts of the film I wanted to enunciate, where the shifts were, that sort of thing. And she would 
send me like some different versions or we just really bounce off each other, I suppose. And she would send me one thing and I'd be like, oh, that that's not quite right. Like maybe the music, again, I don't know how to describe music, but like maybe the instruments yeah. she was using just didn't really feel like they fit well. So I would voice that concern and yeah, it's a good thing with a composer who's, you know, willing to give you a little bit of breathing room. She would understand what I was meaning. And sometimes I would, I actually think I sent her like a picture book once. There was this picture book, which kept coming to mind. It was called the piggy book. Hmm. And it's about like a family who turns into pigs because they're being too greedy or whatever. But the vibe (laughs) of it, I don't know. It was weird. The vibe of it was really weird and special. So I send that to her and I was like, okay, so this is what the film will be like, but less pigs and more coffee. And she was like, ah, I gotcha. <laughs> so I think it's, it's but just really- going from a, a normal, a normal family to a dark, like twisted thing that happens. Yeah. yeah idea, that sense right? of like narrative sort of falling apart and disintegrating is what I wanted. And yeah, I think it's a really personal thing with a composer. It's a relationship. So However that is, you know, it'll be different for each person. Yeah. So, okay. So we've talked a little bit about making it and the challenges and, and like coming through it and then being on the other end and you're done and quickly about editing. You said you change a lot. How do you know you've, you've been with it as a written piece, you storyboarded it, you shot it, you were there lighting it or working with the composer. How can you really tell like you personally, because every filmmaker, I think, has a different way of answering this. Like mm. when you're watching cuts and you're like, no, this isn't <laughs> right. Like, how do you know anymore? And have you, did you test it? I know a lot of people depend on tests and asking other people. I did ask a lot of people towards the end. But yeah, it was for the most part, it was just me sitting at my computer, like pressing play again and be like, oh, no, it's horrible. What have I done? And the original cut of Devil Bean was actually like 25 minutes. It was a really big movie. And I think because it has so many different scenes and I really had to cut those down to get to the snappiest possible. But yeah, it really, it really did shift and change. And most of that was just me just feeling like there was something off because I've never, I don't know. I don't know if an education helps you with that or not, but I have always just gone with what instinctually makes sense to me. And then, of course, bringing in other people and being like, how does this, how does this play? What are you feeling right now? And that was another point where Katie helped me out a bit right towards the end when I was like, okay, I think things are starting to make sense. She came in and was like, that could probably be shorter. You know, you could probably change that if you wanted. And I was like, oh, yeah, it all makes sense now. Um, I think specifically mm. one aspect of the film that emerged for me like throughout the process of editing it was there's like a really nice father-daughter relationship, which it's one of those things that I don't know if the audience will pick up on, but it's texture to the film, you know, something resting in the subconscious Mm. of the story, whether people pick up on it or not, I don't mind. But yeah, like editing the film in a specific way to highlight the authenticity of that because she's this teenage girl who's, in a once perfect family. And now that the dad's gone and her mum's just sort of collapsed under not knowing what to do, she has to step up and assume the role of the the figure of the family. So, 
Yeah, that really emerged for me through the process of editing. And that's one mm. of the points where you could have made a completely different film if you wanted to go a different direction. But Interesting. Like it's a horror comedy, but also authentic underneath. Yeah, so much hard things to balance because horror is best when there's layers, I think. But yeah. it's so tricky to to get mm-hmm. the... De- it's like It's like baking and like technically like like a little ingredient that's off and nothing works you know yeah yeah exactly but you just trust your instinct basically is what you're saying right I, you just yeah. trust your your instincts on it mm-hmm. when you finish and it goes out into the world and people respond to it like they did and it has the success that it had how does that like how do you start managing that and how much do things change and how do you look to like the next things? And, and and I guess also is horror part of what you want to keep doing? Like, is that kind of where your heart is right now? Yeah, no, it's a good question because it's one that I've been asking myself. I've created a lot of different films from different genres. This is really the first horror that I've done. And it is a really interesting genre that I would like to explore more with some other short films that I'm I'm developing some other short films at the moment for school, really, but also as another chance for me to learn and explore horror. If a lot's happened sort of with the success of it that I'm mm. sure was hard to predict or anticipate, and how have you managed that? Because you say, you know, you're going to do some projects to school, but I'm sure there's a lot of interest in just coming your way of like, do you want to do this or are you interested in that? Or like, you know, the film being yeah. in festivals and getting a lot of attention and all of that stuff that <laughs> is hard to predict. It is hard to predict and it is a little bit like oh, I have to finish school, sorry, before I leave and go to join the rest of you having a great time in the industry. But I don't know, I've sort of just been writing it out really. I haven't, I definitely didn't predict predict this amount of success so I didn't have a plan of how I was going to respond to it, <laughs> which I wish I did now. But yeah, just to just to realize that the film, I don't know, that I'm at the level now where I could screen at the American Pavilion in Cannes. That's really validating for me more than anything else and the chance to go to Cannes and talk to other filmmakers and watch all the glitz and glamour of the industry and be like, "Oh man, what am I getting into?" <laughs> it's been a really inspiring thing for me more than anything else. I, I bet I mean, many of us will do this. People will do this their whole lives and never, <laughs> never go there. So it's pretty crazy and pretty incredible, but a testament to your instincts, because you said like you kind of trusted what you thought was going to work as you went through the process of making the film and, and tried to stay true to that. So I would say you're trusting your instincts works for you. Uh, when, when you think about other horrors though, or other genres, are there things you're like, I really want to explore I really want to try, you know, even technical things yeah. as a filmmaker. Yes, know? yes. And I've been watching um, Mike Flanagan. Is that how you say his name? Like the, I don't know if you've seen the Netflix horror shows, like uh, The Haunting of Bly Manor and stuff, but just that different side of horror, which I haven't really gotten to explore yet, where horror, I suppose, in its purest form is like, it's like a playground where we sort of, put out all of our fears and anxieties and explore them in a way that feels safe and makes sense to us. Mm. So I do want to tap into that side of horror where it can be something serious and helpful for the world 
rather than just something that you watch to have a laugh or a scream or whatever. And every time I watch a film, you know, it's always like, oh man, like it just wants, makes me want to go out there and start shooting right now. But of course, a film takes a little more preparation than that. And for me, filmmaking has always been something that's come from inside, you know, like just having the scenes or the images flash through my head and being really arrested by that and wanting to turn it into something. But other films 100% always inspire that. And like, it's a way to get an education is just to watch as many other films as you can, which is a good excuse for me. Mum might be like, Jess, stop watching movies. I'm like, sorry, this is my future. I'm just, you know, educating myself for my career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that I, I agree. I think that it's true that what you watch is teaches you or teaches you about yourself even. Um, yeah. Do you think about making features or what features you'd want to make? Or are you really trying to sort of be like, I want to keep kind of ironing things out in the short world for a while? Yeah. Or do you have ideas that are like, this is the feature I really want to make when it's time? Yeah, I oh, it's, I don't have any specific ideas for features at the moment, but shorts are definitely a temporary thing. And that's all I can do while I'm in school, just because of the constraints <laughs> of the exams yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I would like yeah. to really make a feature one day. Um, and I don't, I don't know what it would be about, but you know, that feeling where you're just like, it's, it's burning inside. It's there. I just need to, you know, find a way to manifest it. And yeah, I don't really know what direction I'm going to go in the industry at this point because I'm just starting out and I don't, I can't really see any other films being made around me. So I don't see a clear pathway for myself, but I intend to go to film school just to meet a bunch of other filmmakers who you know we can all become best buddies and you know to have that (laughs) community that I really like to work with and from that point I think it's just whatever will inspire me in the moment but I better start writing a script well (laughs) (laughs) you can write many You'll have plenty of time (laughs) and you can have many that you, uh, yeah, put Yeah. You can start whenever you're ready. I mean, you're off to a great start. You're way ahead of the curve. Um, (laughs) thank you so much for, for taking the time to do this. It was really fun and congratulations on the film. And it seems like you'll have an easy time ahead (laughs) with your attitude (laughs) and your skill set. Yeah, this was really enjoyable. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thanks, Jessica, for coming on the podcast. Like I said before, it is Horror Week at No Film School. So go over to nofilmschool.com. Check out all the Horror Week coverage sponsored by Black Magic Design. There's a lot of cool stuff we have. Interviews, how-tos, breakdowns, genre explorations, educational elements, technical elements, all the good stuff that we're always bringing to you, the filmmakers of the world on No Film School. Be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to this podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, leave a comment and let us know what you think. And send your questions to editor at nofilmschool.com. We love to get questions, comments, concerns, thoughts from you and incorporate them into our weekly show, which releases typically on Thursdays and sometimes Fridays. These interviews like this, they typically release on a Tuesday or Wednesday. But in an instance such as this one, 
special week. It's horror week. So we've got this interview coming out at a different time. Thank you all so much for listening and making it all the way to the end. <laughs>